0: Hey, what's going on? Richie here from the BWOMS Podcast. I know it's been a while. Once again, I want to apologize for putting this project on the back burner. Um, up to this point, I have really three or four episodes in the past year that I've recorded and are really good. And unfortunately, because this is one of many projects that we do with the wire Open Mic, and it's also something that is done for free, unfortunately it's just kind of naturally been put to the back burner um i hate to say that i never want that uh to happen on purpose but uh now that i have a little bit of time i'm working really hard along with the help of fernando to help edit these videos and uh, you'll get to meet fernando in the next couple of episodes but uh it's really my duty to everyone that i worked with to get these episodes out in a way this is kind of like a new season uh in other words new content for you guys um but i Really admire all of these creators, all these people that I've interviewed. And I want to share the interviews where we talk about their work. And, um, you know, I I can't apologize enough for taking so long to put these out there. But I do want to, you know, make that right. And again, I know it's so long, um, but we will have ways to still celebrate their work. So I do have, like I said, three or four newer episodes that will be coming out. Uh, pretty soon. Uh, We're going to release the first this month in August, so be on the lookout for that, Uh, starting with today's episode that you're listening to right now. And uh, I think once we catch up to those episodes, I do want to have a new episode where I introduce you to Fernando Antonio Montejano. um, And then I have some episodes from the archives, some that just never were able to, like, leave, so they're multiple years old, but uh, through speaking with those people. Some are interested in still me releasing them, so it'll be kind of cool, a little bit of a throwback kind of thing. Um, some people were like, just scrap it, and we'll do a new one. So I, I will be recording new episodes as soon as we catch up to all that stuff. I also have two special podcast episodes that are going to cover two literary events that happened in the last year as well. Uh, but no spoilers. For now, I do want to introduce you to Cassie Olguin Petinato and her chapbook, The Lamb's Tale. It was as of yesterday, or it was one, completely one year ago that we had recorded the episode. Again, I feel absolutely terrible, and I know, you know, I can't. there's no apologies for it. You know, I, 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 I can do it and apologize, but matter of fact, it just took so long. So I hope you guys can enjoy this. Uh, the exciting news is that a year later, now Cassie is going to be releasing another book, a forthcoming book from Flower Song Press um the five stages of stuttering and uh really looking forward to that so without further ado let's go ahead and go back in time a little bit and check in with cassie and talk about her chapbook the lamp's tail Right here we go bwoms is a platform for all sorts of artists writers poets um and so In today's show we're here to talk to cassie olgin yeah
1: you did it right yeah
0: um i hope so <laughs> <laughs> no uh no this is something I definitely wanted to ask a little later because you did, you deliberately changed, added to your name. Yeah. Oh, I, so I want to talk mm-hmm. about that later. Okay. And I think, it, you know, some of it is about identity, right? I mean, yeah, obviously, right? Um, a lot of themes here. So The Lamb's Tale 2022 Bottle Cap Press. Yeah. How does it feel to hold something tangible oh, yeah. in your hands that you've put together?
1: It's like a baby that was birthed. Um, <laughs> I really started writing these when I was real young, um and I feel like I had to go through a lot of it, that inner like work to to start really writing them down i think um in a better way, not just like a therapeutic way, if that makes sense
0: like uh going through a journal just to kind of dispel
1: yeah okay. i I journaled a lot like throughout my teen years and adolescent years. And so I really, um, polished these and it feels good to hold the collection in my hands and see it.
0: Absolutely. Um, tell me about the cover art. It's really nice. And you have your little.
1: Yeah. So everyone there. thought that I did the cover cause it's mm-hmm. so me, mm-hmm. but, um, Craig from bottle cap asked me what kind of themes I wanted and I said, well, definitely I want a lamb with like a bandaged tail. And I wanted the the cactus on there. And so he sent me like the first draft of it. And I it was like, that's it. That's that's what I wanted. And I love how the cactus are kind of at the stage where they're about to die. Mm. Like they turn that color. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that fits really well. Because, you know, a lot of this is about what is home as well. and. The desert, the border. I know there's a lot of floral and fauna here um, of the borderland. Um, why the lamb? The lamb's tail. That's like a central image.
1: Yeah. It's also the.
0: So I would say, like, this is this collection. Even though it's a a chap, you know, a chapbook. Sometimes I've I've heard, you know, people are like, oh, it's it's a, it's a chapbook, you know. But like, this is very very much dense, you know. So when we talk about chapbook, for those unfamiliar. It's just a collection with a a smaller collection of poems, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have a little bit more, then it just kind of becomes a full-on collection.
1: Right. And chapbooks are very themed, like specifically for for something, for mm -hmm. a theme, to get something out. And um, chapbooks were for people who couldn't afford, Mm -hmm. you know, books and stuff like that. So it was just an easy way to print them out and just hand them out.
0: Yes, uh, mm-hmm. a very much. Also a DIY thing. Yeah. One of my friends here for very first chapbook. I remember we were all with the crew sitting in my living room, stapling pages together <laughs> and putting them together. So
1: that's what's up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it, it's a lot of fun, you know. Um, and I think it just speaks to also just the nature of like publishing, public publishing industry. You know, a lot of a lot of it you can like bring into your own hands these days,
1: for sure. So, uh,
0: but also shout out to Bottle Cap Press. They're a small independent. Interesting. Uh, so was was there like a, a call for paper, like a call for publications? How did you end up linking up? Or?
1: Yeah. So um, it didn't start off as The Lamb's Tale. It was originally called Giving Pain a Home, and it mm-hmm. was actually 50 pages. So it was a full collection. Wow. And they sent it out to um, Flower Song, to Mouthful, and those were like my top two that I wanted to get into. Yeah. And so after I got a rejection from Flower Song, it really like pushed me to look at them again and see like what I could do. And so I took out like a shitload of poems that weren't working. Okay. And so finally like the book started to kind of talk to me and reveal itself. And so I changed the title. And then um I realized the poems that were like staying in in there were kind of meant to be. It started started to become like a collection
0: and it's a it's a great collection like i said in three parts yeah um, you focus on different aspects of growing up uh one with mother one with father kind of like the framing yeah so there's a lot about family you know and dealing with with that you know growing up and then like i I like the way you write about home
1: Uh, Mm, thank you
0: yeah uh sometimes and this is something that we do with these projects, like the Beyond's podcast, but also literally literary one is that that's kind of hard to say sometimes. Literally literary. Right. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm glad you're saying it on me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, we like, especially as, as readers, we need to hear about these places that grew up because sometimes people feel like it's not worth writing about. You know, it's like, oh, it's my home, you know, but I'm sure you, you probably went through um, a metamorphosis on that. You know, when it comes to writing mm-hmm. about where you grew up. And and also just uh, to kind of preface future conversation, I'm really excited to talk about Smelter Town and Calavera, like these things here. Because I have always found those fascinating yeah, for sure. areas. And I um, I know you've talked about this briefly in other social media. So mm-hmm. we can talk about that. But I don't know. Yeah. So what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, <clears throat> I didn't find any worth writing about my home. And um, Isala Fulton, like would always tell me, uh, I met her when I was 14 at a a workshop that the city was doing this like program. And um, that's where I met her. And I would tell her about this like mysterious place I lived in. And she's like, you got to write about it. (laughs) And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to, you know. And so it took me like a long time to, to write about it. And I think, the reason why I didn't was because um, I didn't, fe- like, even though I live there and it's super, like, an El Paso thing, you know, <laughs> I I didn't feel connected to the roots behind that. Like, my Mexican side, like, mm-hmm. living in the border and what it meant to be, like, neighbors to what was once Melter Town and Asarco and that whole area. So I didn't realize the deep historical like impact that place has. yeah. And so I, w- I felt ready to finally write about, about my home and my childhood there. But I can't write about that without writing about my weekends away from my home. So that's why oh, yeah. I included like having to leave it and l- kind of losing myself a little bit, feeling lost mm. because in the first part there's roots and in the second one, there's just like nothing.
0: Yeah, sometimes you have to. Uh, <clears throat> it's what absence makes the heart grow fonder, type of deal. Where you know you don't realize something till later on uh, that you can appreciate. No, and that's such a great. Um, I think even you live there, right? But when a lot of people, a lot of things people know about that place is, it's like a hidden city. It is. A lot of people drive by it every day and don't realize that's yeah. there. And, it's uh, its
1: <clears throat> own like little grand canyon you know I, mm-hmm. i'm just surrounded by the hills and, <laughs> and then we're, the we're like down below and then the cemeteries
0: <laughs> i know a lot of people yeah. like to try and go uh ghost hunting and stuff and uh,
1: yeah i always roll my eyes on am like you that was my playground yo like
0: <laughs> yeah i'll be yeah. honest one time in high school i remember trying to to like uh drive up to find that space because i i uh i'm a skeptic when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I do find it fascinating. It's fun. So I remember driving up to want to visit the cemetery. Um, I had met this dude, Ken Hudnell, who publishes books on like the paranormal and El Paso. Oh, okay. And, 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 but what's fascinating about those books is it uh, it also touches on like fascinating El Paso history by doing so. You know, and so I remember <laughs> learning about this place. And so I remember going with friends and we drove up and, and uh, we wanted to go. But... I'll admit, when we got there, like, yo, people live here. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't end up going because because of that. Like, this isn't just like, I don't know, yeah. like a thrill-seeking thing. Like, right. we're like walking in people's yards and like.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, most people like don't even yeah. realize that there are homes there. There's people that that live there, and so I'm a fourth generation La Calavera <laughs> resident.
0: So you're right about that. Now, before I guess we we dive into the book, we were talking about the epigraph here at
1: the
0: beginning of the book, the collection. And I personally, I always love a good epigraph because if it encapsulates like the spirit of the book spirit, you know, using that word there, too, Uh, it says after bearing ghosts, the rain pulled the coffins out from the mud. The bodies washed down the street as in the days, as in days of old grief is at my door now. I think something that's really clever about this is you did have an art show called "Bearing Ghosts" over at uh, Orange Brick. I did eclectic, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah,
0: cool. Um, so I think it's a pretty, pretty cool, like kind of tongue in cheek, uh, tongue in cheek kind of thing. Because I know that show had a specific theme as well, and it was uh, also had just little snippets of your life, and you incorporated uh, various other art forms, like we were talking about shadow boxes. Yeah. Um, and so I like how this is, I wanted to ask you, how is this a spiritual successor to that show?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm very much into like that, like, like theme stuff and mm-hmm. like what I'm going through at the time. And burying Ghosts was like an amazing, amazing show. It was my first, uh, big installation and, um, it was like resurrecting this part of my life to in order to bury it. And um, the art in there was just very significant. The, the furniture there. And I mean, you saw it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people told me they started to get like, I don't know, they started to feel like at home. And they said they started to smell like a certain fragrance. So mm. they were making a home in like my sadness, you know. And so um, a lot of these poems came after Bearing Ghosts because I had this expectation that I was going to feel a lot better after I did that show. And like I didn't, I, mm-hmm. I actually felt worse and I felt that these ghosts were still like haunting me. And so in order to process that, I did another show called um, grief and rebirth uh, through the looking glass. Mm-hmm. And so those poems kind of came from that. So that's how I use my art and poetry to incorporate this idea of like burying your ghost. And I'm still on that, that theme. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten away from it.
0: I mean, in a way, like, I mean, it's the image, right. It's both literal and figurative. Right. Cause I know this is like you said, the days of old, I know that, for example, New Orleans, every time it floods, you know, that's one of the big things that happens with, like, the cemeteries. Is, like, yeah. On the shore, and it's just kind of being confronted with our own mortality, with life and death, our own existential, like, dread. Yeah. So,
1: so this is very much historical because um, my mom would tell stories of when it would flood in the Calavera, like, back in the day that the coffins would—the the water would raise them up and they would come down the mountain into— the, the neighborhood and how it, like, you know, scared the crap out of her. And so there's this idea of, like, well, who would put them back? Like, how would they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who was in charge of putting them back in their in their graves and stuff and burying <laughs> go, them? Go
0: back right now, this it's, instant. Right? You know, like and so I so... feel
1: like um, in, like, a spiritual way that I'm the person for my family that does that that like i confront like all of that yeah. stuff and i'm the one that has to put these things to rest and a lot of people think that that i already have and it like every day i have to do it you know i'm still haunted by the things in this book um i do feel like a lot better that they're on paper and i was able to see my pain like from outside instead of always like in it And I, that's where it comes from. Like I was tired of, of just sitting on the meat and not marinating it and cooking it, you know, like I didn't want to just present all my raw stuff. I wanted to, to polish them.
0: Mm -hmm. And very much, um, you know, that's, that's one of the art forms of writing of poetry. You know, you have the, the raw materials, the, the emotion, the experience that you want to convey but then you know along the way you know you polish it up Mm
1: -hmm. you know you
0: make it fit a certain way you if you have a theme or you have uh, a certain form that you want to follow um and of course cut things out that you don't need and oh yeah more detail like there's a lot of that and i think a lot of young writers don't take that like, don't really consider that aspect of the writing process, you know? I
1: know, I didn't. Yeah. Like, I give a shout-out to Isela and my acknowledgements because she was just my first poetry teacher, and we developed a really, like, special relationship. And she taught me, like, how to do all these things. And, and so I was like that. I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to leave it because if I edit it, it's not going to be real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <no. laughs> and so I've learned... I, like I really enjoy editing my stuff now like it's it's kind of fun and exciting to see what I'm going to you know take out and put back in or disregard it altogether and that's what like this is about it's not only the poems but like the technique in here and mm-hmm. and how I set it up it's like brilliant you know I'm just I'm amazed at at how I even did this how I set it up
0: uh I'm very impressed you know when you first gave this to me I uh I started leafing through it and I I did notice very deliberate yeah uh experimentation with form uh and that's that's a sign just of you're doing a great job um Asarko. I just I just flipped through and I read Asarko. um and I know
1: mm.
0: that's such a mm, it's in especially in that community actually before we get to that sorry
1: no I was no I was thinking
0: about you know confronting the 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 ghosts and like kind of you being the one have to like having that question who who's gonna deal with that you know in this case you're dealing with it and i just there's this aspect of death in, in mexican culture right and the fact that it's calavera right i think mm-hmm. of like it's when we embrace it like people think of day of the dead as well looking at death as a different thing as well
1: mm. so yeah that's a Good way to so look it's at it. Interesting,
0: too. right? That that's the name of the neighborhood. Yeah, there's
1: like so many layers yeah. of, of it that I don't think about sometimes. I mean, yeah,
0: and that's great, I and mean, that's something you work off of. uh And you didn't want to write about this. Like, I, know? I know
1: what was wrong with <laughs> it's me. So, it's
0: so, but it's so perfect, you know. Uh, and you, the way you tied it together.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: uh I wanted to talk about Asalto. I just okay. want—I'm going to make that point first, but. um how were your feelings when it went down?
1: Oh, man. So <laughs> I was heartbroken, honestly. I know there's a lot of like, oh, but like, you know, it, it was toxic and this and that. And and yeah, probably. But I mean, you have to understand that that it was like a signal for me that I was home. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I, and he's in the book, we explored that whole area. And yeah. so it was just like a natural thing to see every day. And so when it came down, people were, like, in our backyard. They didn't know that they were on somebody's property. And mm-hmm. we kind of just wanted to be there as a family to watch it, like, go down. And I don't want to sound dramatic, but kind of mourn it, honestly. Like, it's been there. And my grandfather worked there. And it was. it's just part of us. And so, like, a lot of people were in the neighborhood taking pictures and in our backyard. And so it was just, like, I was really, um, yeah, kind of heartbroken about it. Yeah. That's like, a- a- after it was gone, I kind of felt lost. Like, I didn't know <laughs> where I was. Because, you know, when you look up, it's not there anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, and that's just... uh landscape is such a huge part of home as well yeah and you're used to to having that's a sense of comfort
1: mm-hmm. and... it was comfort and so i don't know like i know a lot of people did it but they would go up to like executive mm-hmm. and you could see when they would pour like this lava stuff oh, i man. i don't even know what the hell they did you know but my mom and I would drive up there and we would watch it and I'm sure breathing in all that stuff was really bad. And I mean, I played in that dirt. I was up in the cemetery in the black dirt and. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's definitely. I
1: don't have like six fingers. So.
0: (laughs) It's definitely a nuanced thing because, you know, I think of when it comes to El Paso and environmental pollution, you know, and it's, unfortunately you know there's certain neighborhoods that are going to be like they're never gonna like install like a a plant here you know what i'm saying west side of town or, or whatever but um you know i know i know when it did come down come, when it did come down I know a lot of people also saw it as like that kind of like sleeping dragon being slayed and just kind of a symbol but that's why i love your perspective because someone who grew up Right around there, and it meant yeah. something different to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Everybody cheered when it went down, and I'm looking around like, "You assholes!" <laughs> <laughs> Definitely mixed feelings, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. That's, Chusa. Oh man, I love that.
1: Lot of history in mm-hmm. the, and I deliberately did that to show my roots are really in my first home.
0: So mm-hmm. that's another thing, you know. Um, did did you a certain amount of research going into going, or just kind of? diving deep into your family's stories or just there's a lot of cultural stories Mm -hmm. as well and and legends and stuff
1: yeah so i mean i've known these things since i was little like my mom would just tell me stuff Mm -hmm. um never sugarcoated anything and so i knew about them very early um in in my youth and so i didn't really have to research they're just family like family legends um but then I find out like like the lechusa is a a legend in like Mexico oh. and and stuff like that so I I didn't know that I thought it was just like the calavera legend
0: <laughs> Right yeah yeah Um yeah I remember talking to a cholo once who said he was chased down by a lechusa Oh I
1: believe it <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yo I I want to know For the uninitiated what is what is that a lechusa? for people who aren't familiar It's yeah. like
1: a sh- um a shape shifting um owl that shape shifts between a woman and, and an owl and stuff and
0: don't like see like the woman's face and
1: right and... and so there's this like legend that, that there was a lechusa in the neighborhood that okay. cursed the men there and that my my grandfather was one of them and and there was really? yeah and and there was um <laughs> A point where he needed to be operated on, and they found like witchcraft in his stomach. And I, I write about that. And yeah. so I just kind of imagined well, like, how did that happen? <laughs>
0: So that's another one of the things that in- interests me in the neighborhood because I think Ken Hedlow had reported about that. Okay. The neighborhood let you say. Yeah,
1: there's a legend that they caught her and burned her like oh, up Jesus. the street from my house. Like there's just so much wow. cool stuff about yeah. my home.
0: And that is history that people don't know. And I, mm-hmm. I, I do think that unfortunately people become detached from that unrooted right so right. and i think that's another aspect here is is sometimes feeling detached from your culture right and i think that's a, also a huge part of like being fronterizo so kind of like being in between worlds in a lot of ways yeah uh how do you talk about that in here it's, and i've and, you know I see yeah this is right
1: i think i talk about it in the second part, so there was an aspect that I didn't realize, but it's kind of like my mother's home is Mexico, and my dad's home is like America, right? Yeah. And that's how I would cross over. I'd go from my mom's home to my dad's, and it was like a culture shock, cultural shock for me. Um, and I think that's how I touch on it because, like, I'm ashamed to say I've never been to Wattis. I've I've never gone... Oh, over there you know like my parents just kept me away from that mostly my dad i don't know spanish it's like i'm total bocha and there's a poem about that's that yeah it. and so i just kind of it's like well i have to embrace that as well you know that mm. that part of me
0: yeah. um
1: that i feel like really ashamed about and so that's how i kind of touch on it um going in between since I've never like literally been in between, but in a way I I was.
0: Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's such a fronterizo, fronteriza identity, uh, Chicano, Chicana. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of intermingling Spanish, just cultural <laughs> Spanish into it, but maybe also not knowing, being the best at Spanish, but like, yeah, then, you know, because you know, sure. again, for maybe people listening. I mean, sure, people who are watching are your friends and fans and family. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you also have people tuning in, like they might ask, like, what is bocha?
1: Yeah. So it's somebody who has um Mexican or Mexican American like roots, but they don't speak Spanish.
0: And and oftentimes uh it's used kind of in a derogatory way when right. someone's called that. Mm-hmm. Um on my other podcast, I always talk about how I try and reclaim that. Yeah, okay. Like that's who I am, you know, like bocho, like mm-hmm it's you know
1: kind of like chicana like i can't believe that i'm identifying with that because i mean never expect that no not (laughs) at all in my college days like chicana no way i'm not a chicana you know (laughs) no (laughs) No. and so now it's just like it's a very new thing that i'm identifying with and i love it even though honestly i still don't know it fully what it means Mm -hmm. but to me it means that i'm reclaiming who i am because i i didn't know
0: i think that's a that's spot on like definition yeah. like a, a lot of us use it that way
1: yeah it's just my honest answer you know because no like of,
0: like education you i know? don't
1: really know but i <laughs> yeah. love it i love saying that i'm a chicana poet
0: right oh i got chills yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome um and so there's two two parts you talked about the the different aspects um there's there's a third part kind of like a resolution and the third part is the title piece. Yeah. Right? The eponymous lambs tail. Mhm. Um what do you want a reader of this chapbook to be left with? You know, like, Yeah you've deliberately ended it with lambs tail. Mm-hmm. So how would you want a reader like kind of yeah. leaving like you know when you leave the theater right shocked or <laughs> and you sit with this for a while?
1: Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you So like to answer your earlier question about why the lamb, um, so I've always I like felt really close to lambs um, since I was young, and like I have a whole little collection. Here's my little lamb. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've always identified with their innocence, their their need. Like they're very needy animals that need to be cared for, or like they'll just die. Um, They're very vulnerable. And so, and I've always felt out of place though, you know, like a lamb in the desert. Like, I don't know really like if I'm supposed to be here or where, like mm. where I'm supposed to go or be and like somebody just take care of me. And so, so this book is kind of like this, this lamb without a shepherd that needs one that's in the desert and, and needs a shepherd and so um to end it with the lamb's tail is kind of like it's like okay, you know, spider bites don't heal sometimes. You know, like
0: well, I was gonna suggest. I mean, would you, do you want me to read it? it? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll
1: read it. Yeah. So the lamb's tail. In West Texas, spider bites don't heal. They leave scars. There's redemption in the needle of a tattoo. What doesn't heal becomes part of the cover-up. The lamb's tail hides a multitude of sins. So it it's like, I'm trying to leave the reader with like, you know, spider bites sometimes don't heal. Like that sting doesn't heal and it will leave a scar. So everything in this book that I've been through, like it leaves a scar, right? Mm-hmm. And And it kind of did. And so this poem came from, I actually got a spider bite that like didn't heal and it was super ugly. And I was like, oh, how am I gonna like take care of this, this thing. Right. And then it, and then it bit me right where I had an old tattoo that I just hated. And I, I'm like, this isn't who I am anymore. It's, it's a part of my life that I let go of and stuff. And so it's interesting that the spider bit it there. And so I ended up giving, getting a cover-up and the it's like the spider bite became part of the wool. And so that whole wow. act um, inspired this poem that like, oh, the spider bite didn't heal, but like there's redemption in this cover-up, this in the needle of the tattoo. And so it's kind of like the lamb's tail, um, like what happened to the tail. Hides the the sins of what happened.
0: I mean that contains multitudes. <laughs> first of all, so your life just keeps giving you like metaphor after metaphor, and I yeah. guess that's just how how you see life as an artist. And I've I know you're always seen a-
1: life like that. Always. <laughs>
0: You know, you're a multidisciplinary artist. You you know, you, in addition to that, you work on collages and mm-hmm. shadow boxes and uh, the music. The theremin, yeah. Yeah, the theremin. So if anything, you know, the tattoo also can also just kind of represent like the art that comes out of it. Right? For sure. And that you wear is literally kind of like your armor, right? Mm-hmm. That cover up. Yeah. It's in a nice way. And then just kind of acknowledging too that since you mentioned um, being a, you know, a person you used to be so there's a lot of transformation yeah as well you know i think um the lamb kind of also has a little bit of religious subtext for
1: sure yeah so um this end poem kind of sets up for the second book that i want to do so Mm. because of all the trauma in this book i um i sought like something to help heal me so i converted to like christianity and Mm -hmm. that was my life for 12 years to try and like ugh, like hide this pain, you know, and that's all it did. It didn't really help. It just hit it. And so that's why I ended it with that poem to kind of set it up. I don't know if it's going to work or not because I'm trying to work on the second one and I don't want to force it, but the ending poem is kind of homage to that. Like how after all of that, it's like me trying to find... Uh, like redemption, you sure. know, because it's just so painful.
0: It's a very interesting cycle thinking about this this epigraph of talking about afterbearing ghosts, but that are that come unearthed. Yeah, to, you know, like that's this is always going to be there, right? Yeah, like a scar. But then it's like, how do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of, I mean, I'm great that there's that intentionality moving forward uh, with this. Um,
1: yeah. So after leaving, um, my faith and stuff like that, like I finally, um, was able to deal with it cause it just hit it, you know, mm-hmm. like, like that's why it's kind of bandaged up, you know, no, you gotta sure. unbandage it and take care of it. And so, um, leaving that life that, that I devoted to for all those years made me confront it finally. So it's been a journey. <laughs>
0: yeah no absolutely yeah i think uh when i met you through papagayo you remember that about you but uh i'm seeing a lot of um you know cultural stuff too here sana sana colita there's a lot of healing stuff yeah right um food for vultures is that a lawrence welch reference
1: (laughs) i don't know is (laughs) it no
0: (laughs) no it's because he has a collection food for vultures oh
1: no way vultures too oh
0: whoa what no, 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 that's, I mean, but no. it's, it's, again, vultures, that's yeah. a common motif. I know you talk a lot about a personal, a lot of personal stuff in here, of course, right? It's, it's, um, how is, how is this like a shadow box?
1: Hmm. So I started getting into shadow boxes because of, of bearing ghosts. And it was kind of like a, a symbol of boxing up my stuff, like mm-hmm. to say goodbye to it and, Everybody's favorite was the Nirvana one, and and I love that one too. It's hanging in my room now. And I just filled it with things that I, I used to love that I didn't know why I let go of, you know like, And so bringing it back was almost like resurrecting those ghosts, but then putting them in the box was like this resolution. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I can keep them, but keep them in their box and mm-hmm. say goodbye. But I love looking at them, and so I think I'm just kind of like that. I, I like to um, – I've gotten better at it, but I used to really dig up stuff and, like, dissect it and get a magnifying glass and, oh, and just yeah. ask myself, like, why? Like, why is it like this? Why – where does this come from, this feeling? And in turn, it was good, and, and it was also bad because – I couldn't bury it because like, if you keep doing that, you, you like, it's still alive. It's not, you're oh. not bringing it peace. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. I just, I felt like an archeologist like that. I kept <laughs> digging up stuff. And it's like one time my dad told me um, when I found his mother's biological mother, it's like, why do you keep digging up stuff? And I was like, uh-huh. oh, yeah. I like I didn't expect that. I thought he was gonna be like, thank you so much for finding my mother for me. You know, and mm-hmm. he's like, Why do you keep digging up stuff? And it's like, well, don't you know who I am? Like, that's who I am.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should know by now. Come on.
1: Maybe not, you know, I don't know. But um, I've gotten better about that because sometimes it could really mess me up doing that. Mm-hmm. And other times it's like, okay, I can only go so far. Until so it's like, oh, I have to give this pain a home and for sure. put it in a shadow box, you know. And it's
0: it's weird, like you said, it's a, like a box. It's for display, and I think of a lot of stuff in here is similar.
1: Yeah, it's like my little shadow boxes for yeah. sure.
0: Awesome.
1: I, I think that's why I like them, and I like to create them and fill them with sentimental things, like unboxing them up.
0: Mm. Is there another piece that you'd like to read from here?
1: Um. Yeah. So I want to read from my dad's piece i know it's hard to talk about the second section because there's just not a lot of like historical stuff and i I did that on purpose to show the contrast between wow like i felt safe at home um with my family at my mom's then i go to my dad's and you find this like little girl that's filled with anxiety and fear and kind of doesn't know where the hell she's at Mm. and so um it's hard for people to t- to talk about, like, the second part.
0: All right. So, yes, your second <laughs> yeah. section. Um.
1: So, I think I want to read my missing father on page 37.
0: Okay. <clears throat> uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay. My missing father should join the search party looking for himself. He should stay calm as the dirt rises. From the ground, at his feet, as he digs, as he looks. He needs a weighted blanket so heavy it crushes his bones. He needs to change directions, like a body decomposing. He should disintegrate into dust, like a moth in the hands of the sea. Unthreaded wings, breaking, crumbling, till he cries, till he feels like I do. Then he will find himself hidden in the brown scars in the wool of my skin.
0: These these pieces are so well put together, Cassie. Thank you. The, bra- the wool, there it is, the wool of my skin. Hmm.
1: Yeah, the lamb is throughout, throughout the book.
0: I love that imagery mm-hmm. of uh, disintegrating like Dust like a mm-hmm. moth in the hands of the sea, that's such a intense image, <laughs> wow, and it just encapsulates you know that that feeling like that pit in the gut you know yeah. that, uh, of a missing father mm-hmm. wow, so I think people will really enjoy this. Where would people listening to this right now? Be able to pick up a copy, or yeah. is it limited run? Is no, it like super rare. Like, <laughs> get it before they run out. Right, it's like one of fifty. I'm just kidding.
1: That'd be cool, right?
0: That would make it extremely rare,
1: right? Um, no. So, so I have physical copies. So, mm-hmm. if you like, message me, hit me up. I can meet you, and and we can um work out the details for that. Or you can get it at Bottle Cap Press. Um, I get 50% of that. So cool. you're also supporting me too if you get it through the the website. And it's, I believe it's Bottle Cap Press, um, maybe .com slash product slash lamb. I'm not too sure, but maybe you can.
0: Well, that's a lot to remember.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> slash, backslash, hyphen. Hyphen. Percent. Colon, colon. <laughs> yeah. HTTP colon backslash <laughs> uh, so okay, for, but then so you also said people can message you with like they find you online just through social media. Yeah, like my website. Uh-huh, or, I
1: have a website. It's in my social media and like the link tree. Uh-huh. Um, so you can also get it on my website, and that's uh, com. and then it's right there in my poetry section, and it will take you to bottle cap. So that's another way you can do it. But they're not limited, you know. They're always on hand, pretty much.
0: Cassie HP. Yeah, yeah. So something I didn't ask <laughs> though is is you you added to your name? Oh, my name. Yeah. Yes. So
1: I legally changed my last name. So I, I some people knew me as Galvan, mm-hmm. and then some people knew me as my married name York. And so after um, my divorce, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna change it to reflect my mother and my father. And so Holguin is my mother's maiden name. And so that just honors my Mexican roots. And after I found my father's um, biological mother mm-hmm. and I found out her last name, I took on uh, Petanaro because she's Italian. So I'm just um, I'm just honoring that like that was a journey within itself that I actually found her. I was like searching for her since I was 16 and um she was like 9596 when I met her and I got to talk with her and it was just amazing. So how could I not, right? And so um that was just a really cool healing thing mm-hmm. for me cuz I I was tired of having borrowed last names. I wanted mm-hmm. like an identity for myself. And so honoring both my mom, you know, even my dad too was pretty cool.
0: No, oh, that's that's lovely. Um Yeah. And I just think that that's a great way to end it off. Like, you know, keep digging, keep searching, even if you, if you have to confront these things and you can keep making yourself, you know, yeah. to get your, you know, constantly making ourselves. Um, well, thanks for jumping on the show. Thank
1: you so <laughs> much for having me. This was, was great. Without,
0: um, so thanks for watching, guys. <laughs> Peace.